This week on the Happy Half Hour. Frank came in this week saying the magic words, and I always wince a little bit when coaches go to sense of urgency. But he kind of explained yesterday, it's not about now we have sense of urgency. It's always been there, but it's like this was the week where it kind of got everybody's attention. Touchdown, Carolina! It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Augusta Stone, and Darren Gant. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Happy Half Hour podcast. It is Thursday, September 28th, and we are going to talk about many things today on purpose and some things accidentally. Welcome to the Happy Half Hour. It's Augusta Stone. She's like the she's like the Taylor Swift energy to my Andy Reid. Oh. I wasn't going to go, Kelsey. That would have been weird in a workplace <laughs> environment. But I, I did want to introduce the topic because it's the thing everybody in the NFL appears obligated to talk about. And I am not a big Swifty, so I need your thoughts on this entire situation. And here's the thing. This is going to get me in trouble. I am not either at all. I do respect her music, her celebrity kind of irks me sometimes so it's been a tough week for me on the on the social medias I can't stop seeing it pop up um but you know I will say one thing and I'm not meaning this as like a dig but I I think both of them both both Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift tend to be in the headlines anyway I think about like you know this time last fall Travis Kelsey was you know rearing up for an SNL appearance he's kind of always popped up on the on the radar Taylor Swift kind of knows exactly what she's doing great marketing always in the headlines two people who are gonna be in the headlines Anyway, coming together to create one headline. It's it's sort of beautiful and it's a lot. Um, the best thing I've seen from all of this, and I don't know if you've seen this, this has cropped up about the last 24 hours for me, but it's the random tweets or Instagram posts alluding to Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift either being in a relationship, being in the same room. I saw one this morning. This girl three years ago had dressed up as Taylor Swift and her husband had dressed up as Travis Kelsey for Halloween. And they were like, I can't imagine a situation in which these two would be in the same room, let alone married. Mm. And it was like a classic post from like three years ago. Mm. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm getting into. Who was out here kind of speaking this into the universe? Because it makes sense. I think they're, I mean, from what I know about what they allow us to know through their marketing teams and everything, I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's cute. Um, the thing I like the most about it is it's brought a lot of my friends who were not interested in the NFL before this week kind of around and asking me questions and wanting to know more about what I do versus, oh, that's Augusta the Sports Girl. Now it's, oh, it's Augusta, and she works in the same industry as Travis Kelsey. So it's kind of like that. But uh, catching strays out here. For- <laughs> but um, I'm, not a, I'm not a big Swifty. I, I respect the snot out of her, but Here's the it's thing. too much. A- and my, I am clearly not a patron of her music um, <laughs> a- as an old person. I love the fact, and even my daughter. My daughter was more of that Hannah Montana genre. Oh, yeah. That, that was her era. So mm-hmm. we kind of fell in that, what's the opposite of sweet spot? We fell in that dead zone between Hannah Montana and Taylor Swift where we didn't necessarily pick all that up. But here's the thing I dig I do dig about Taylor Swift. She has managed to be bigger than the NFL. Yeah. And very few people have that kind of juice to be able to do that because listen, it takes a whole stadium full of Travis Kelsey's and Patrick Mahomes and everything to sell out Arrowhead Stadium, but she can turn that place on 
like that. It's and it's true. full of people screaming and hollering and paying much, much, much more money than you do for a football ticket to see her sing. So I am all into it. I don't care. I'm I'm rooting for young love. Uh, this is me with the glass half full. I'm I'm choosing to hope for the best. I it's certainly not a publicity plot on the part of two people who very much <laughs> like attention. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just hoping for the best for those two crazy kids. I hope they find what they're looking for in this world. I know, I know. In a, in a popcorn machine, did you see that where they like escorted her out in the popcorn machine from Arrowhead? No. It was the funniest little thing. I mean, she it may she in may, the popcorn machine? she may or may not have actually been in it, but the rumors were, and I saw the video that they put her in a popcorn machine to get her out of the suite so that she wouldn't be like attacked by fans or mobbed by people. And I don't know. I think she did something like that, like hiding in some sort of closet at her concerts to get on the stage, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be completely out. That's funny. Like, if that's real, that's hilarious, and I love it. Like, a little phony, because it was like a popcorn machine, and there were like six bodyguards around it, and it was coming from the Kelsey suite. Or or we could find a small child to put on her shoulders in a trench coat, like <laughs> the three raccoons in the cartoons that kind of move around like they're a large person. I so. would be such a tall person. Taylor Swift's already almost six feet tall. That oh, would be, yeah? yeah, oh, yeah, she's yeah. already, because then there's also been the jokes like, put her in, coach, you know what I mean? See if she can run a route. She's 5'11". That's awesome. But, yeah, so. Does that would be a very, very tall person? A child on top of Taylor Swift, that'd be like a six seven, six eighter See, with a baby face. I, I, I don't <laughs> I don't want to stereotype you like I did coming out of the top of this podcast. But uh yeah, maybe we need to go to the locker room today and ask the tight ends room uh which one of these guys is most likely or or who would be the best fit for Taylor Swift or any other popular singer. You know who had a great quote about that this week? Uh Georgia tight end Brock Bowers tying in my alma mater to this and he said that it was a win for tight ends. They asked him about it well. Monday or Tuesday and I was like and he was getting all the little the fodder around it, but uh and Brock Bowers is also going to be a mess in the NFL, or a menace in the NFL, should I say? Uh, and if he's going out with Taylor Swift, maybe he's a mess in the <laughs> NFL too. I don't but know. very exciting, very yeah. exciting times for tight ends. I, I need to give my mind to this. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, who would you go? Would you go Ian Thomas, Tommy Trimble? I don't know how many of them already have partners. Yeah. That would be a that would be a, a, a an interesting situation. I think too. Well, I think that's like a hall pass situation. It's <laughs> like when Beyonce was here, and I offered up my office as adjunct dressing room if she needed more space. Oh and, Lord! And even like a friend of the mailbag T shirt, and my wife was like. Hey, wait a minute. Do I have a friend of the mailbag T-shirt? And I was like, Yeah, but if Beyonce wants one, she gets one. All right. <laughs> uh, that's just you know how we roll. So, but yeah, no, it's it's an interesting time to have. I mean, I saw that there's like rumors that if she shows up to their game uh, Sunday night football, I think then there's going to be like crazy. You know, viewership for NBC. I've seen all of it. Like, uh, and I think it's cool. We'll see how long it lasts. I I would love for this to be like. You know, I, it, it makes so much sense in my brain just from knowing what I know about them. And again, it's not like I know them intimately or personally, right. but but knowing what I know, I'm like, it makes sense. Um, I was actually listening to WFNZ and they were talking about how he's so different than all the other guys she's dated, which we all we all know way too much about each other. We all know way too much about Taylor Swift. And you know, think about like you know, she's been with the Jake Gyllenhaal's, John Mayer. Joe Jonas's, and now she has a Travis Kelsey. That's so different. So maybe maybe this will be the one that sticks because it's not the same flavor that she's usually going for, mm. right? Yeah. Interesting. Not the musician-sensitive type, but the Travis Kelsey. Yeah. 
This <laughs> this is leading me straight into story time with Uncle Darren mode. Let's go. Um, because it always comes back to story time with Uncle Darren mode. Uh, once upon a time, the Carolina Panthers employed a young gentleman by the name of Gerard Cooper. Coop was like a fifth-round pick, safety, special teams guy. He was sort of like the Sam Franklin of his era. Mm, And Coop was a real goofball. This was back during the first Super Bowl team. Maybe there'll be an episode of Cardiac that involves Gerard Cooper, Podcast Matt. What do you think? Could be. Never know. Stay tuned for more of Cardiac. But anyway, Coop was a real weirdo, uh, but in a mostly harmless way. Him and Rod Smart would go around getting into hijinks, eating raw meat with their hands and stuff Ugh. like that. They weren't big into utensils or manners or anything like that, or even the normal uh, mores of polite society. So anyway, one day Coop, who was always looking for attention as well, came in the locker room and told a fable about how he was dating Christina Aguilera. Oh, wow. When she was the biggest thing in pop music at that point in time. And it was harmless enough, and everybody kind of got the sense that Coop was – pulling our legs a little bit, but there was enough to it. It was coming off by week. Coop's a, Coop was a decent-looking fellow, so, you know, in a, in a weird sort of way, could we have imagined him showing up at the same place? We could. Nice. The, the good news was me as an enterprising reporter in a previous life uh, knew some people in the music industry, in the music writing business, and I made one phone call, and I said, I need a number for Christina Aguilera's publicist. And this friend, who will go nameless, obliged, and I called this young lady with an office in New York, and I said, good morning, so-and-so. My name's Darren Gant. I'm a reporter uh, covering the Carolina Panthers down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Got a question for you. <laughs> Is your client dating a football player named Gerard Cooper? <laughs> and the publicist said, and I quote, I've never heard of that person in my life. Oh, no. Yikes. Down to earth for Gerard. Uh, so I was like, Coop busted. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so that's a story about how Gerard Cooper and Christine Aguilera are not quite like Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And we have probably avoided the topic at hand for as long as we possibly could. Um it is week four, friends, mm-hmm. and the Carolina Panthers are 0-3. But because I'd rather light a candle than curse your darkness, here come the Minnesota Vikings, who are also, wait for it, 0-3. Um, in the past, I would have probably joked about this is kind of a loser-leaves-town match, which is an old wrestling reference that a lot of people probably aren't going to get. But this it's taken on such a life of its own. I, I think people are so – there's a anxiety about what's going on here. And, and I don't want to turn this into a must-win game because I don't really think it is. I, I said at 0-1 and 0-2, you know, everybody was jumping to – conclusions the jump to conclusions matt was out and in full effect and i'm just i'm in a wait and see mode with this entire football team right now i don't think because this team lives in the nfc south i think it's impossible to say oh my god they've got no chance at the playoffs but i don't even know that playoffs needs to be part of the consideration what the carolina panthers need to do right now at this moment is continue to develop bryce young and part of that's going to be, A, having him healthy and back on the field. And Bryce was back on the field as a full participant yesterday after missing last week's game. Uh, so the news appears to be good there. But I think beyond that, 
the Panthers are in a spot where they've got some work to do with all these brilliant coaches. I mean, that's what we talked about a lot this offseason was this all-star team of coaches Frank Reich put together between Josh McCown and Thomas Brown and James Campen and Jim Caldwell and all these dudes, Sean Jefferson and Deuce Staley. I mean, there are just so many brains on that offensive staff. And I think what I have seen through three weeks is almost the result of too many smart people in one place at one time. And and if you'll pardon me the digression, um, it's just it they look a little bound up right now. Mm-hmm. They look a little too many cooks in the kitchen is probably the wrong way of saying it, but it's like they're trying to do too much. The, the Carolina Panthers found success last year when they stripped it down yeah. and did about three things that they knew they could do very well. Well, this these people got a playbook the size of a phone book because that's a thing that people my age know what is. And it's just – it feels a little like too much through three games. Well, there's also, I think, the piece of it that is inevitable and is going to happen, but it has happened to the Panthers a lot this season, and it is injuries. Because you can say the development and everything going on, but when there's key personnel missing from about everywhere you can look, and then you could even take it a step back and think about how – through the preseason and early in the season, there were a lot of receivers that were out. DJ Chark took a minute to come back. You know, Thielen, I think, had a little bit of a something at the end of the, the preseason period. So, I mean, I'm just looking at the injury report right now, and then we've had this same narrative since week one, and it's it's inevitable, and sometimes it's bad luck, and sometimes you, you never know what it is. But when you're developing, which is what you mentioned, and I think the Bryce Young situation of last week is like kind of a microcosm of it all because they are focused on developing Bryce that is – been the what they've said what they've shown I mean you know the second Bryce is ready to go Bryce will be ready to go he was practicing yesterday and that's a really good sign for his development it's not a wait and see and watch Andy type deal it was a okay you're not feeling well now watch Andy be this part of your development come back and and I think that's kind of a perfect kind of little bit of everything that's happened across the board. I mean, you were mentioning Sam Franklin in that story, and I thought it was a great segue because we're going to be seeing probably quite a bit more of Sam Franklin, especially on defense. And he talked yesterday in the locker room that he wants to be out on punt too. So so it's one of those things that he wants to be on the field pretty much always. Um, but, you know, with Xavier Woods, I mean, you, you think about these, I mean, key pieces, missing Shaq Thompson, J.C. Horn working his way back. Um, Frankie Louvu working through the hip now. I mean, it's just there's, and that's just on the defensive side. There's just been there's been injuries, and it's inevitable. But it's been a lot. It's felt like a lot, and and it's it's fair to say it is a lot. And that's going to play a role into getting everything together when it is a new staff, when it's everything together. And I think that's an important piece of perspective to remember. It's they're not getting you know the full look at everybody who worked with the ones in training camp, with the ones in the preseason. It's kind of especially long. I mean, on the offensive side, the offensive line, there's just a lot of different areas where they need to get healthy. And I think it's it would be, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's week four. People are going to come back. And I think focusing on that aspect of, like, let's let everybody get healthy and try, you know, to hope that there aren't more injuries cropping up like there was at Seattle. But I think that's a huge yeah. part of it when you're thinking about development. they got to be on the field to develop. The The short answer to a long story about the Carolina Panthers through three weeks is there's a lot of stuff going on. Yes. you know, And, again, a lot of stuff on offense, uh, trying to meld all these varying philosophies into one coherent whole, mm-hmm. uh, injuries that have taken Bryce Young and so many defensive guys, as you mentioned, off the field – for stretches this year. I mean, there's just, it's been hard for this to be 
kind of singular and about one particular thing. And we'll see. I mean, Frank came in this week saying the magic words, and I always I, I wince a little bit when coaches go to sense of urgency. That was one of Dom's old buzzwords back in the 90s. Uh, Dom said sense of urgency a lot. And Frank hasn't said it a lot so far, but he walked in this week, and it's like, oh, it's week four, and he's talking sense of urgency. But he kind of explained yesterday it's not about, you know, now we have sense of urgency. It's always been there, but it's like this was the week where it kind of got everybody's attention, and, and you can tell that there was a very different Frank. That was one of the things that stood out to me the most about the Seattle game the other day was in the past – Frank is kind of built for the long haul, and he's not a very emotional overreactor. But on a day when a team commits eight false start penalties, Frank used the word pathetic and completely unacceptable. And it's like, whoa, this is disappointed dad talking to the kids when they drove the car into the tree, when mm-hmm. they were supposed to be in the house studying. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you kind of got that sense of Frank's up on the balls of his feet now, and in case anybody's thinking it's okay for this to be a 17-game process, that was Frank's way of like shaking the group and saying, no, we have to be better than this because they do. Exactly, and I think – you know, kind of looking forward, I was thinking about it as I walked in today. Isn't it nice that we're back in Charlotte this week? I mean, after Seattle's long trip, one, it was a tough environment for him. Obviously, you mentioned the eight false starts, seven on offense, and then the one on punt team. And, I mean, that was – I I mean, Frank Reich talked about it. I can attest to it. They were pumping in the crowd noise. I, it's one of those things that I guess in the moment it's hard to – it's hard to understand what happened, but it's easy to be like, well, it's time to get it corrected. And like you said, he did show kind of that emotion and passion. They will be back at Bank of America Stadium this weekend and um, before going on more road stretch. Um, if you look across the next couple of weeks, it's kind of back and forth, home away, home away. Um, but it's a good it's a good matchup. It's a good time to, to have that urgency to be back home, to be kind of. Finally, we got it last week for a touch, but to be back in the groove of the normal, okay, 1 p.m., you know, was 1 p.m. West Coast, but now 1 p.m. East Coast kind of routine of everything. I know Bryce has talked about that in the past, just being able to get in that routine. I think that could help the team, to be honest with you. I mean, having that week two Monday game is just kind of threw everybody off here on, I mean, yeah. off the team. And then, you know, it, it's different. What day of the week is it again? Hey, it's Thursday. We're, got, we're back in the back in mode. I kind of know what we do now, yeah, which is nice. Next, but, for but the next I mean? month and a half of my life, I'm going to know what day of the week it is until Thursday night football in November against the Bears. So. <laughs> exactly, but it's a good, it's a that's a good thing to to think about. I think um, you got your West Coast trip out of the way. It was not what they had hoped for. There were good things about the offense to kind of you know sure. parse out, uh, and there were. I mean, we wrote about it after the game, um, but there was there was also not so great. I mean, the false starts, the run game. Andy Dalton was able to kind of show what the offense has been, you know, wanting to look like. I think that was a really good step forward for everybody involved. And I think there's a good or good reason to think that that Bryce, if he's the one or whoever it is, is able to come out this week and do something similar against Minnesota. They they're not they're not completely different than the Seahawks. They played two very similar defenses in the week one and two and kind of struggle with it. I think I think the Seahawks were a good matchup for them. And and I I mean I don't think there's a reason to go into this, you know, kind of. I like you said, it's not a must win, but it's also not a, oh my goodness, the sky's falling. There's no way they're going to win this game. Right. And again, I, I try to, I cringe a little bit when people talk about must wins, especially in September, because this is such a long, long season mm-hmm. and it's going to contain multitudes. And 
you know, are things going perfectly for the Carolina Panthers? No, they're not. But I think if if you get through this season and you know what you want to be about offensively, if you know what you can expect out of Bryce Young going forward, this season will have been a success no matter what the record is. So I, I do think they've got to get to that point. But I am, I am, I am confident in the sense that there are enough smart people working on this problem who are aware that it's a problem right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody made the analogy to me. It's like when you get married. You here's this new person. You love them. You're uh, committing your life to them, but you've still got to learn how they do business. You know, my wife and I have been married two two plus years now, and she's still amazed that I keep the checkbook balanced by hand every day and do longhand math and stuff like that. And I'm still amazed that she thinks of financial plans 15 and 20 years out uh, and has strong feelings about 401k contributions, stuff like that. So those are the kind of things. And I think when Frank Reich and Thomas Brown and James Campen and Parks Frazier and Josh McCown and Jim Caldwell and all these smart people are in the room together, I, I think they're still working through the process of figuring out what they all want it to look like. So exactly. And we shall see. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's a reason for optimism, too. I think, I mean, we've seen, I, I think there's a lot to think about from Seattle. I think it'll be interesting. You know, Bryce has been practicing. Frank Reich said he was on track. Let's say he doesn't have any setbacks and he's the guy out there. You know, receivers looked better last week. Adam Thielen looked great last week. DJ Chark was getting vertical with Andy Dalton. Like, I mean, like we'd hoped and saw and talked about that he would do. So I think, I think you know, you, you plug Bryce in that situation, you might see some good things. I think it was one of those situations in week one and week two where he was really getting his feet wet under him and it wasn't, you know, kind of the passing game performance you wanted to see. But, but I, I mean, I think there's, there's enough to grow on. And I think if he comes back, there's going to be something a little bit different than what we saw in the first two weeks. And at least different, you know, from, from what we saw, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it would not necessarily be a bad thing to do something different. And again, if if you're looking for reasons for optimism, you know, the best I can offer you is the Vikings have not been very good defensively. Mm-mm. So, and that is probably a kind way of saying it. When you look at their defensive rankings, you can just go down the list, oh, 27, 25, 21, 22, 26. It's uh they're they're allowing 27.3 points per game, uh, which is slightly better than what the Panthers are allowing. Uh, after giving up, after getting into the 30s the other day, 37 at Seattle the other day. So we we shall see. The Vikings certainly offer more opportunities, but again, it's 0 and 3, and everybody's kind of down in the mouth. So I'd rather not spend our entire podcast. <laughs> talking about a game between 0 and 3 teams. We talked about Taylor Swift coming out of the top. You are not a Swifty. However, <laughs> there must be somebody in this world that you would want to see in a stadium concert here at Bank of America Stadium. Augusta Stone, go. Who oh is it? Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay. So I'll say one thing. I was very disappointed when I had to miss Luke Combs. I was out of town that weekend. I love all the country artists they've been bringing here. I've had a country renaissance within myself. was listening to Hot Country on a long drive the other day. Big fan. Um, I, I'm going to throw it back. And when we were talking about Taylor Swift, I was thinking about, and I loved when you mentioned Christina Aguilera. I'm a little bit 
maybe about 10 or 15 years behind because of where my interest level in music. I am one of the biggest Britney Spears fans like on this earth. I love Britney. I know that she's not, you know, the Britney of the mid 2000s, early 2010s, all of that. If you could get her maybe right after she came out with Womanizer, so that would have been like 2010, 2011 and had her come here and I could just like relive mm-hmm. that because then that has all of her like, I really like that new stuff, but also like the old stuff in her discography from, you know, my childhood. I was raised on Britney Spears. My mother loved her so that's kind of like my pulp culture like i i still like you know love looking into like the paris hilton Lindsay lohan drama i'm very like 2000 centered so britney spears is like my taylor swift and i know it's a little bit she's different now and it's a little outdated but like i was still listening to her the other day like i love britney so that would be my person but maybe not now maybe like 10 or 15 years ago how about you darren if we're not going to get a led zeppelin reunion that i've been hoping for for years and years and i uh entered the lottery to try to uh win tickets to a concert in london about 15 years ago that didn't work out but uh if we're not getting a zeppelin reunion i really would like to see metallica in this building oh. right here that we're sitting in right now i saw them at charlotte coliseum a couple years ago what was that four or five years ago when they were here pre-pandemic and I, I just, I dig a Metallica show. My wife, again, is a very responsible person. She thinks about my uh, good health, and she advised me to wear earplugs to that concert. And those earplugs lasted exactly two songs. And when they hit the first notes of Seek and Destroy, I was like, yep, out. I'm going to just do all the hearing damage here tonight. <laughs> I was about four or five rows from the rail by the end of that show down on the floor, and it was amazing. So uh, we we should talk to our friends downstairs. Let's get Metallica in this building. Let's get Britney Spears in this building. And uh, we can make a lot of people happy, I think. I love it. I love it. You said two things. I just want to say that remind me so much of my mom. I do. My mother still does keep her checkbook by hand. Big on that. So mm-hmm. I was raised on that. A wise woman. Um, very cool. And then also Metallica. My parents are big fans. Also Metallica. Great guitar hero band. I can play their songs on guitar hero like nobody's business. Big fans. So that's, yeah, yeah Metallica would be so sick that would that would be a whole different atmosphere than what we've seen in the past few shows that'd be really cool my other career goal uh has always been backup catcher cincinnati reds <laughs> that's been my uh, the thing if i could do anything if i had athletic talent that's what i would want to be i would want my walk-up music to be metallica's the four horsemen i just think that's the baddest ass way to walk up to the plate in a major league game that could possibly be so and that's so cool because my walk-up song would be a britney spears song i'm not even joking yeah. i always say piece of me about britney spears so it's so funny that that kind of li- i'm not even joking so it's like that loops around so perfectly but that's always been my answer for like five years now when i've been answering that question matt can get us into all kind of copyright trouble by putting music beds under this that's going to get us find out the wazoo uh he probably will not do that because frankly We don't need any more problems this week, and that'll take care of us for this week. It's the happy half hour. Uh, We will see you next week when perhaps we have something different to talk about. See y'all then.